Frontline Church. A big welcome to everyone watching online and to all those in the house this morning. Are you, get, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. I'm glad to be with you to spend this time honoring our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. He is worthy of all blessing and honor and glory today and every other day of our lives. And just to signify how worthy He is, wherever you are, whether you're here or you're watching online, would you just give the Lord a great shout of praise? A great shout of praise. <laughs> if you love Him this morning, shout amen. 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 Let's pray together. Lord, we come together as your church today to bring you the honor and the glory you deserve. In our time studying your word, let our hearts and our minds be transfixed on you so that we can bring the necessary change in our lives and be transformed into your image as you, Lord, take us from glory to glory. We are nothing without you, and we cannot live, attempt to live this life apart from you. But with you, all things are possible, and in you, there is hope and fullness of joy. We love you, Lord, and we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, church, this morning, I thought we would take a break from our series on the book of Acts there is something I believe the Lord has laid on my heart to speak to you about today, which is really related to what we are all facing right now. I think you will agree that just about everyone you know, including yourself, is under major strain or stress in life because since March 2020, we've been put in a washing machine called COVID-19 and been, our lives have been spun around, turned upside down and inside out. Most of us are emotionally fatigued, physically drained, and somewhat spiritually defeated. The days feel too long, the nights are too short, there's too much to do, and it feels like there's too little time and too few resources to do it with. We are all dealing with trauma in some shape or form because either you or your loved ones have had COVID and now you're slowly coming through it, or you've lost a loved one and you're trying to deal with it. And then there's the consideration and discussions around vaccination. All these things that are happening, talk about stressful, right? And on top of it all, there's only about 10,000 people with different opinions that are trying to tell you what to do and when to do it. Well, church, all I can say is thank God, hallelujah, praise the Lord, that there is hope and hope is on the way. And I want to show you some scripture today from the Word of God that I believe will give you some inspiration on how to deal with, with what we're all going through right now. If you have your Bibles, let's begin in Isaiah chapter 40 from verse 28 as the prophet Isaiah makes a very important statement. This is what he says. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. And listen to this, verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. 
In other words, church, it doesn't mean that you are immune to turmoil, stress, and trauma. We're all going to go through this in life. We're all going to experience certain things. But thank God, He is the one who renews. Thank God, He is the one. Look at verse 31. But the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now, church, I want us to look at two things from this passage. Our stress and anxiety about what life brings and then how to deal with it. And to draw this conclusion, we need to identify that there are two categories of people that are mentioned here. One, of course, is Almighty God. He is the omnipotent, all-knowing, and sovereign one. He's mentioned there in verse 28 where He is called the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. That's who God is. There is no other like Him, and thank God for all that He is. Now that's one person, person mentioned, but now let's get to all those on the other side. That's you and me. Verse 29 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. You see, church, that's what happens to us sometimes in life. We become weary and we become stressed out about life. And when we think about this, how does this happen? How do we become stressed out? Because it's not like you wake up today and you decide that you're going to be, become stressed, right? And the best way I can try and describe this, church, is that stress is the gap between the demands that are placed upon us and our ability to meet those demands. The difference between those demands and our abilities is what we call the stress factor. Over here on one side are the responsibilities of life, the necessities of life, the demands of life, and the opportunities of life. They are all over here. They are the things that you desire and the things that you have to do. But now on the other side are all those things that we are so much aware of today our inabilities, our weaknesses, our failures, right? Our sinfulness, our lack of knowledge on certain things and our faults, they are all over here. And we say, listen, I want to, I should, but I can't. Here are the opportunities and the necessities and over here are the weaknesses and the failures. And in between is a gap. And that gap is the stress factor. It is the gulf between the can and I want to and the cannot. And as we go through life, it seems to overwhelm us and leave us in a vulnerable state. And this is showing up everywhere in our society today at just about every age. It's everywhere. It's broken homes. It's unpaid bills. It's fear of the unknown. Dealing with different types of trauma in your life. Scarred lives. And the walking wounded people are stressed out, and it shows. And church, I don't know if you know this, but people aren't just getting sick from COVID-19 these days. Because according to medical journals, all the stresses in life has increased, let me show you, or let me tell you, has increased cases of indigestion, stomach ulcers, shortness of breath, chest pains, headaches, muscle pain, fatigue, boredom, 
temper tantrums, irritability, mood swings, forgetfulness, inability to concentrate, and insomnia. I could carry on, but these are all just another way of saying that stress is having a major impact on our society. You know, many years ago, people used to go to gym, right, to build a bit of muscle or to lose a bit of weight. And I guess they still do this, but the the biggest reason people go to these health facilities is to to de-stress. They go to get rid of some frustration or to, to go and clear their heads. And to be honest with you, that's how I see exercise these days. There's a statistic that came out a while back that says between 75 and 90% of all visits that are made to doctors these days are, are stress-related. I don't know how accurate that is, but if it's true, that's, that's quite alarming. Pastor Ronella and I will laugh sometimes together when we go to our, our family doctor because if we go to him and tell him, you know, what's wrong with us, one of his standard questions is, are you stressed? Are you under a lot of pressure? And our standard response to him is, well, Doc, who isn't stressed these days? Right? And we laugh about it, right? But it's almost like we've become accustomed with living with a certain amount of, of stress in our life. And you know what? It's not okay. Because when you're stressed, it's not just that you are not enjoying life or focusing on what's really important. When you are stressed, you are especially vulnerable to the attacks of the devil. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 5 where there was a king named Amalek. And he just waited for the Israelites when the Israelites were going through the wilderness. And he found the weak and the worn out. He found those who were on the outer fringes and those were the ones that he attacked. And church, let me tell you something. When you're stressed, you are going to have some terrible arguments in your home over nothing. What is a small thing will become a mountain. When you're stressed, you're going to think it's okay to sin a little because, well, I can't handle what I'm going through and I don't deserve what I'm going through and you will justify your sin. And worst of all, when you're stressed, you spend less time with the Lord and more time on what is keeping you stressed in the first place. If we are not careful, we will allow the stresses of life to steal everything that is good and perfect. We will be left on the fringes of life and the enemy will attack us. He is a coward. He doesn't care if you are in your weakest state. But I'm really pleased to tell you this morning that there is a solution to this problem of stress. There is a solution to what you and I are dealing with in this season. You see, the enemy will steal from you. He will kill and destroy you. But look again at what the Lord promises us in verse 31. Let's read it together, shall we? But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Church, that is a magnificent promise. And it doesn't say maybe. Look at what it says. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. They will. And there are distinct promises here in this passage that I want to show you this morning. First of all, look at this. 
He says, there is the ability to flow. In the rough times of life, in the storms of life, he says, you have the ability to fly. Amen. You see, the eagle is used as an example because the eagle is comfortable in the storm. Gretchen spoke about it this morning. When the storms come, church, when the pressures of life come, we need to be like an eagle. Because you see, the eagle waits for the storm. And he sits there on his ledge. And when he sees that hot air being heated by the desert floor and those thermal drafts are coming up early in the morning, he steps off his perch and he lifts those mighty wings of his and he begins to soar. And the faster the winds blow and the more convection there is in the air, he just rises higher and higher and higher. Now all of us know storms, all of us know adversity in life. And we need to learn what the eagle has taught the eagle has taught us a tremendous lesson because when the eagle begins to rise up and fly, what he has learned is what has caused others' disappointment is somehow a blessing to him. Because if those thermal drafts didn't come, if those storms didn't come, he wouldn't be able to fly higher. And he wouldn't be able to see further because the higher you fly, the further you can see. And he wouldn't be able to fly faster. Did you know that an eagle normally flies at around 50 kilometers an hour? That's pretty quick, right? But if an eagle gets in a storm, he can reach speeds of up to 80 to 100 kilometers an hour. He just steps out with grace and rides upon the wind. Can you imagine an eagle flying at 100 kilometers an hour? Can you imagine him just looking across the horizon all the way around him, and he's just having the time of his life? Church, when troubles come, when storms come, if you practice what I'm going to show you in a moment, you're going to be able to soar like an eagle. Now, by the way, the eagle has to be taught how to do this. And you may not like the flying lessons, but have a look at what Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 11 says. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. And church, what does that mean? Well, an eagle builds up its nest, and I don't know if you've ever seen an eagle's nest before, but they are, they are monstrous things. The eagle builds the nest very strong out of branches and twigs and everything she can find, but then she takes her own feathers and she, she lines that nest until it's all fluffy and soft. And those little eaglets that are in there are so comfortable. And she, she flies off and finds things like bugs and worms and, and snakes and mice. She gives them bits of fish, right? And she just takes such good care of them. And did you know that she knows the last one that she fed? You could go in there and mix them up in that nest, but she knows exactly who they are. She takes such meticulous care of them. But one day, the mother eagle decides it's time now for those little guys to learn how to fly. So she gets in that nest and she begins to flap her wings. That's what that Deuteronomy verse calls stirring up the nest. She stirs it up and makes that nest a little uncomfortable. As an old preacher once said, Lord, if I'm building a nest, put a thorn in it. 
So she begins to get all that fluff out of the nest, and now it's getting harder, and she is now moving them toward the edge. And one by one, she gives them a little nudge out of the nest over the ledge, right? And that sounds kind of, cru- kind of cruel because they've never flown before, and now they are just streaming down the side of the mountain. But church, she swoops down, and before the little eaglet hits the rocky ledge, she puts out her wings. And those little talons come in and cling onto her feathers, and she flies back up and puts it on the nest again. And over and over again, she does this. Until one day, that little eaglet sticks out its own wings by instinct, and there's a draft there, there's buoyancy there, and they begin to fly. I think, church, you know, sometimes we think that God is cruel when actually He is kind. There's an old story, a true story, about a woman named Jennifer Johnston. One evening she was driving home, it was misty and rainy, and she was in a section of town that she really didn't like to drive through. And all of a sudden her her car stopped, it cut out. She began to beat her steering wheel, she was so angry with herself because she knew she was low on petrol, and the car had now cut out before she could get to the petrol station in the worst area possible. Anyway, she looked around in panic, hoping to find a shop or a restaurant that may have been open nearby, but there was nothing. And she thought, well, sooner or later, a police car will come by. And so she began to pray, and she sat and waited in the car. But before long, her first, her worst fears became true. Because coming down the middle of the street, she saw a very rugged and unkept man heading right toward the car. She thought, oh, dear Lord, please help me. Please take care of me. She slumped down into her seat, hoping that he wouldn't see her. But he came to the window, looked in, and began to tap on the window, motioning to her to roll the window down. She screamed and told him, said to him, go away, go away. Right? He was saying something, but she couldn't hear what he was saying because she was screaming so loudly. She started blowing her hooter, hoping he would leave. She screamed even louder, and after a while, he turned and walked away. She started to gather herself a little bit. She started to get her breath back. But then after a while, her worst nightmares were confirmed when she saw him coming back with a crowbar in his hand. He walked up to that car. He smashed the window. He reached in and, and opened the door. She crouched back to the other side, but he reached in and took her by the arm and began to pull her out of the car. She was quite a feisty woman, so she she kicked him in the face and and gave him a bloody nose. But he kept pulling and he kept pulling and he, he pulled her out of the car and then he released her. She got into a fighting stance ready to protect herself. When she heard a noise, she saw a light and the ground beneath her began to shake. And she looked up and saw a train coming furiously toward her car and it hit the car and pulled it right on down the tracks. The man that she was so frightened of was the one who saved her life. And you know, church, so many times we look at life and we just don't understand and we ask God, why? Why me? Why now? But you know, sometimes you cannot tell what is happening by the outward appearance. And the storms of life that come to you may be the very thing that God is bringing to you 
to deliver you and to help you to to help you and to help you to cause you to rise a little higher. You know, church, we cannot go through what we're all going through right now just to get through it. We have to learn to soar. We have to learn to soar. And how do we learn to soar? We have to exit the stresses of this life and enter into hope. Verse 31 again says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The Bible says, If you hope in the Lord, He will renew your strength. And if you look at the word renew in the Bible, it is the Hebrew word chalith. And it actually means to change or exchange. And that's really amazing, isn't it? Because the Christian life is not only a changed life, it is an exchanged life. What I mean by that is if we give Him our weaknesses, He gives us His strength. And we are told in order for this exchange to take place, we are to hope in the Lord. We are to hope in the Lord. I mean, how can you fly like an eagle? How do you run and not grow weary? How do you walk and not faint? How do you deal with the uncertainty and the stresses of this life? You put your hope in the Lord. You see, that's the key. If you miss this, the rest of it doesn't matter at all. The word hope in the Bible is the, the Hebrew word tikvah. I think you pronounce it tikvah. And it means, listen to this, this is beautiful. It means to wait to hope in, to hope for, and to look forward with confidence. To wait, to hope in, to hope for, and to look forward with confidence. In Psalm chapter 62, King David said, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense I shall not be greatly moved. He was in a time of stress and distress, and he knew that only God could satisfy his deepest need. In Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 34, it says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. That's referring to a person who looks forward with confidence. That's a person who says to the Lord, Lord, I'm hoping you're going to come out of that gate soon. I'm waiting, Lord, for you to speak. And I hope that you have some instruction for me. Lord, I'm listening to you. At church, the guidance that we can draw from this verse is, is who are you listening to? In these times, who are you listening to? Are you listening to the report of the Lord and the voice of the Lord? Are you in His Word to see what he says about your life? Or are you listening to the thousands of other voices that are out there? You have to have an ear tuned in to God's voice. You have to have a, your ear tuned in to the, the voice of your master. There's a story about a man who was looking for a job back in the Great Depression of the 20th century in the United States of America. Jobs were very hard to get back then. 
And he was a telegraph operator. For those of you who don't know what that is, that is someone who can operate a communication system in which information is transmitted over a wire through a series of electrical current pulses, usually in the form of Morse code. Right? Who's heard about Morse code before? That was quite popular back then. And anyway, when he got there, the waiting room was already filled with people to be interviewed. And he thought to himself, you know what, there's no hope at all that I'm going to get this position. But he sat and waited. And after a while, he heard a little sound coming from the inner office. He could hear those electrical pulses, that Morse code that he was so familiar with. He continued to listen, and after a while, he jumped up, he walked into the inner office, he said a few words, he came out with a big smile on his face and said, I've got the job. The rest of the guys said to him, how did you get the job? We were here first. And the man said, I was listening, and that Morse code said, if you can understand this, come into the office, you've got the position. He was listening, he was tuned in. And church... This story is really a lot like life, isn't it? If we are not tuned into God's voice, we will miss opportunities in seasons when everyone else is saying there's a great depression. But those who are tuned in and hope in the Lord will be soaring when everyone else is grounded. They will be running when everyone else is weary. And they will be walking day in and day out when people around them are fainting. That's what happens if you put your hope in the Lord. Can someone say amen? Let me give you one more verse before we start to close. Psalm 104 verse 27 says, These all wait for you, that you may give them their food in due season. In this verse, he's talking about how these animals wait on the Lord and that how he cares for them and how he feeds them. And I want to ask you a question this morning, church. Do you believe that God can take care of you? I mean, regardless of the fact that we are all going through one of the most difficult seasons of our lives, are you waiting on Him? Are you listening to Him? Are you looking forward with confidence to His provision? Do you look to Him just like the animals, the birds, and the beasts of the forests look to God? Because you see, that's what it means to wait upon Him or to hope in Him. Do you really believe that God can meet your needs? Church, that's more than a rhetorical question. That's meant to hit you right between the eyes. Do you believe that God can meet your needs? And I want to say to you today, church, it's time to exit stress and enter hope. It's time to exit the heaviness of this life and begin to soar. And I promise you by the, the authority of the Word of God that if you will wait upon Him, if you will put your hope in Him, He will renew your strength. And that gap that you feel over here with all the things that you need to do, you ought to do, right, and that you desire to do, and those things over here, your weaknesses, your inability, and your frustrations, that gap in between will be removed as He takes your nothingness and He infuses it with His almightiness. And as you persevere before long, you 
will be soaring above the storms of life. The alternative is to carry on and accept that you will have some stress in your life, church, and allow the happenings of this life to consume you and to control you. But I would say to you today, exit stress and enter hope. Because we have a Lord and Savior who doesn't lie. And He says in His Word, For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Can you say amen to that? Let's give the Lord a hand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we acknowledge today that in some shape or form, Lord, we have allowed the stresses of this life to consume us and to control us. We repent of any behavior that has led us away from your perfect peace. And today, Lord, we declare that we put our hope in you. We put our trust in you. Lord, we are weary with everything that is taking place in our world right now. So we ask today that you would renew our strength and give us the ability to soar in the storms of life, the ability to run and not grow weary. And when we need to walk day after day, that we would not faint. Lord, even when the outward appearance of life doesn't make sense, we know that you work all things together for good for those that love you. Grant us the grace to walk in your perfect will for our lives as you develop our character and refine us into Christians that soar. We ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Church, can we give the Lord a, a great shout of praise for his word today?